evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half Ash. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman 1,100 miles south-southeast of me is Kip Fisher. Feels damn good to say that again, by the way. And we are coming to you for the 80th time on August 22nd, 2014. How the heck are you, man? I'm great, and it's good to hear that as well. Oh, it's, uh, it's crazy. We were reminiscing right before the show started. I can't believe it's been three weeks since we've had a normal uh, recording. Yeah. Man, time flies, and uh, for both good and bad reasons. But nevertheless, it's I have been so looking forward to this all week, and uh, hope you have been as well, and hope the audience has been too. Yeah, I think so. They better be, or they better at least say so. <laughs> well, all the guys in the chat room, I hope so. Otherwise, what the heck would they be spending their Friday night with us for? That's true. <laughs> uh, oh, I just got busted out for saying nine wrong in German in the chat room. No, you said thought, it just fine. You spelled it all kinds of crazy. Well, I thought somebody would find some sort of humor in being only partial German, so I partially spelled it right, but that didn't work. Leave it to Mike Stewart to not find humor and just make me look bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's his job. It's kind of what he does. Yeah, now he's calling me Greg. Are we getting trolled in our own chat room? (laughs) My guys, we know. They're not even trolls. (laughs) Jeez. Ay, ay, ay. Well, you know what that means. That just means it's it's good to be back on Friday nights with our buddies. Mm Mm-hmm. Here, here. Well, it was a nice little diversion we've had recently, though. I enjoyed my evening with Bob. I uh, have not had an opportunity to listen to your show from last week, but I hope that you also enjoyed it with Dale. I did. Had a great time. Always do with both of those guys. Uh, no doubt. Bob was in rare form two weeks ago, and you and you and Dale together, I'm sure you you pontificated, were the nicest podcast in the world, and had <laughs> fantastic tasting notes. Uh, sure, since you hadn't listened to it yet. Oh, you just got it up yesterday, so I didn't have time today. I've been busy. Hey, man, priorities. That's all I can do. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, well, we've got uh, a little bit of a cluster in terms of Cigar of the Week tonight, which I apologize for. No, it's not that bad. You're still going to smoke and give just glowing notes about it. I was going to go for epic, but maybe I can settle for glowing. Well, we'll see. We'll we'll decide at the end of the show if it's epic or not. Well, I uh, I am alluding to the fact that I have made a mistake. <gasps> I uh, I sent Kit the wrong cigars for tonight's show. I'm going to tell you, and when you make a mistake and send me a 15-year-old classic cigar... I'm not going to call it a mistake, and just to be frank, you can do that anytime you like. <laughs> well, I, um, I'll give a little bit of background. I keep um, partial boxes of cigars. Once they get down less than half full, I generally kind of combine them with other cigars of a similar size or a similar patola. Um, and so I have a, a large cab of um, Figurados. Um, torpedoes, bellicosos, um, some salamones or small salamones, depending. Um, things like the the um, some of the Hemingways will be in there. 
So I um, happen to keep some Monte Cristo number twos in there, and I happen to keep some Bolvar Bellicoso Finos in there. And the BBFs happen to be from a cab, so they didn't have bands on them. And so I sent Kip the Monte Cristos, which are half an inch larger, uh, and instead of the Bolivars. So, so he has uh, two of those fine cigars, and I will be smoking the Bellicoso Fino tonight. The Bolivar Bellicoso Fino is our cigar of the week. I have never smoked that cigar, but Dale just raved about it. Said it was. He talked about how fantastic a smoke it was. Uh, I um, I forgot how good they were actually. <laughs> I I feel bad. I really wish I'd have gotten this to you, but this has got some some really enjoyable sweetness. Even just right off the bat, I'm a quarter inch in, maybe three eighths of an inch in. Um, enjoying it. I, I say in the notes here that it's an iconic Cuban cigar. It, it really is. Um, the BBF is one of the most well-known cigars in the world. It's, it's a little bit portly in size, 5.5 by 52, and it has really defined what I think, at least, is uh, the world's view of what a Bellicoso is. Uh, it's wonderfully sweet and sweet citrusy profile provides a classic representation of the island's typical flavors. Um, older models display gobs of white pepper and an earthiness. Uh, this example happens to be from 1998 and doesn't have the same blend as what the cigar had pre-1995. So the switchover from Corojo and Criollo tobacco in 1995 significantly changed this cigar. And in my opinion, that changeover was actually for the better. This is, uh, this is a spectacular version of, of the profile. Sweet, citrusy, there's, there's, mm, I don't know how to describe it, um, I don't know, it's a rather odd sweetness, I'm going to say pencil shavings, it has that aroma of pencil shavings, but it's sweet, so somehow if you could, if you could combine that with like a, a sugary sweetness, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, and I really, really enjoy it, and, uh, it's a shame you will not. <laughs> <laughs> so by saying that that cigar improved after the blend changed, have you just hacked off millions of cigar smokers around the world? No, because I don't... I mean, I don't really think that... Uh, let me put it this way. In 1995, every cigar in Cuba changed. Every cigar blend in Cuba changed because they um, were harvesting a different varietal of tobacco from that point on. So, <coughs> pardon me, um, I have a cough button. Why didn't I use it? Um, I think that that's right around the time that the Internet really started blossoming in terms of cigar. So the, the cigar message board community, um, the cigar uh, purchasing community was not nearly what, is it, what it is now. So I don't think there's very many people out there who are die-hard cigar fans now on the internet who were die-hard cigar fans uh, gosh, what is 1995? 19 years ago? Good gracious. Mm. Um, so I've only had probably half a dozen BBFs from before 1995. And I was lucky <laughs> enough to get them what? You're like how old were you 19 years ago? 13? In 1995, I was 14 years old. Holy crap. 
I yeah. was married in 94. Wow. That's crazy. You are an old son of a biscuit. Yep. Well, I, uh, I've been lucky enough to have some of these um, friends who have just given me some. I, uh, I traded a guy. <clears throat> he wanted a, uh, a rare box of... I don't know what cigars it were, they were that I traded a box of, but I got a bunch of assorted singles in return, and some of these uh, pre-95 bulbars were in there. Um, and one or two others have made their way into my humidor over the years. I've enjoyed them, but I'm not somebody who likes that, you know, I've, what I've described as uh, hard flavors. And I thought that the pre-95 uh, boulevards were typically um, earthy, kind of that that mushroomy, deep, dank earth um, with some leather and a lot of white pepper. Um, and that's just not my preferred profile. So I, 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 I don't know. Uh, do, can I say or should I say that I um, respected what that blend was and how some people do prefer that? It just wasn't my taste. Sure. It's too dirty, too, too dank. It didn't quench my tastes. It made me feel like I had something on my tongue, you know? Sounds like a musty old basement. Well... But not in a disgusting flavor sort of a way. In a think of it this way, think of think of a peaty scotch. How it's so it's such an acquired taste. I would guess that the Boulevard blend pre ninety five was such a, a heavy, rich acquired taste. So there you go. And I haven't acquired it so. Hmm. But. This being from 1998 is mighty tasty. So I can dig it. Well, so what are you smoking then? If I uh, screwed up and did not send you the right things? No, at the moment I am smoking the old faithful Maduro 858 from Arturo Fuente. Very nice. I call it old faithful because when I can't think of something else I want, I can always grab one of these and enjoy the crap out of it. You always have a box on hand? Yeah, I always have some on hand. Not necessarily a whole box, but I'll keep them around pretty much all the time. Hmm. i got to say, I I was that way with my Cabaguan Maduros, but I haven't had a box or even any singles probably a couple months. So I don't know too many cigars that I always keep in my humidor. Well, this one I keep around because it's a fantastic cigar. And in Tampa, at least, they can be had for less than four bucks. Mm. And that is hard to beat. Oh, dang. Yeah. And that is awful hard to beat. Boy, oh, boy. Anytime you get a good cigar for less than four bucks, go and to the bank on that one. The uh, shop that sells these that cheaply has, sometimes has the sun-grown 858s, which are just incredible. I love those cigars. But they mark those up a little bit. But there are shops in Tampa that you'll find them for the standard 858 price. Man, oh, man. I, I, you know, obviously you can go back and listen to our recording when the 858 Sun Grown was uh, our Cigar of the Week. I actually think that was our first show, wasn't it? Um, uh, I don't know. I think maybe the 5th anniversary Cuenca was the first show. That was early too. 
second show, I think it was. The 858 Sun Girl may very well have been our first show. Um, I don't well, know the I, that. I, I just remember uh, being totally blown away by how that cigar was absolutely different than I expected. And any time a cigar can do that, I, I'm in love. So. Oh, man, I know exactly what to expect from that cigar now. I've smoked so many of them, but I still love it. It just never gets old. And my inventory of those has pretty much dwindled. i got maybe a couple left now. I have one left. You know, the uh, Cuban Bellicoso is a, a part of the sun-grown line that's not far off. It's a pretty good smoke, too. It's not much more expensive than a regular 858. I, uh, yeah, Cuban Bellicoso is a darn good cigar. I think Not you and I differ. I like the Cuban Corona, which I think is definitely a different blend. But the Cuban Bellicoso is also very enjoyable. Cuban Bellicoso is is just part of the Sun Grown line. The 858 Sun Grown, Chateau, Double Chateau, Cuban Bellicoso, and... Not sure. Maybe the King Bee. One, one of those other cigars is part of that line. Yeah. And they all have that same wrapper. And the Cuban Corona, I think you can just get that in natural or Maduro. I believe you're correct. You are correct, sir. Stu Muse said you said a lot about that cigar for not knowing how to describe it. I say a lot about everything. <laughs> Man, you're just asking for trouble. I am. He's on his third strike, by the way. He needs a little reminder that uh, I, I have the power to ban him from our website. Uh, well, we uh, we are finally back after after three weeks. We are recording another normal show, so it's uh, it'll be fun to get into that tonight and see where uh, see where the rat holes are that we jump down and uh, swim around in for a little while. And coming up on the show, we've, we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that despite only being four weeks removed from the 82nd IPCPR convention. We have more new cigar news to discuss. That's surprising to me. And yeah, with, the, the uh, news has kind of trickled out a little differently this year. There, there were several new releases at the show, but, man, I, I think far more than normal were publicized and talked about in the weeks leading up to the show. And, and totally agree. After the show, they're still coming out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been very unexpected for me, but I don't know. There's... We can get into this discussion a little bit, but there's been a lot of uh, kind of uproar about how the show was covered this year and um, how marketing and PR was handled from both sides, uh, both the the online media as well as the manufacturer's perspective. And uh, I wonder if any of that kind of plays in um, to the same discussion. So we can maybe chat about that a little bit later on, but. Uh, with quite an eventful August thus far, I'm sure that you and I will also spend quite a little bit of time reconnected. You know, I don't know how much you caught of the episode that Bob and I did. And as I said, I didn't really catch anything from yours with Dale. So I, I got the first half of it, and I didn't get to the second half where apparently it got a little more interesting. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was a good talk no matter what, so I enjoyed it. Excellent. Well, and finally, but certainly not uh, 
without merit here. It seems that Bob McDuffie has spurred us a bit. We've we've got tons of that what else uh, in the world of cigar segment we often mention. We've got tons to discuss in that tonight, which uh, seems to be right in line with uh, how Bob's, Bob's show with me went. So it'll be a fun one. Lots to, to, to discuss. Cool. Shall we jump into the news, or do you want to talk at all about that 858 before it's a goner? Nah, I've talked about the 858 a number of times in the past. I don't think there's anything great and wonderful to learn about it tonight. I mean, it's just standard off-the-shelf Maduro 858. It's got a lot of the uh, darker, sweeter kind of flavors that you can expect from a Fuente Maduro. Um Maybe a little bit more of a woodsy kind of core than I might normally expect in most cigars that at least carry the the banner of Maduro. Um, I dig them. That was insightful. I wouldn't have thought uh, woodsy core to an 858 Maduro, but you brought that to the table. Thank you. Yeah, maybe it's just because I have a roasted palate. <laughs> maybe it's because I was chewing on some oak earlier. <laughs> Well, I just had some really spicy chicken wings about an hour, less than an hour before showtime. So everything's fried. Well, you want to jump right into the news here and talk a little bit about that crowned head story? Sure. We have a new crowned head cigar uh, coming down the pike. Uh, it's going to be shipping sometime soon. It seems like, I, I don't guess I put that in there, seems like it's going to be in a month or so. And it's going to be a regional release and only sold in my home state of Tennessee. It's going to be called the Tennessee Waltz, and it's manufactured by my father, as have been a couple of other uh, recent items from Crowned Heads. He's got a cool orange football, orange football, orange huh. foot, foot band. <laughs> that was Freudian. That was a Freudian slip when you say one thing and mean your mother. And uh, five and a half by 52 Parejo, Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. Uh, no more specifics than Nicaraguan binder and filler. Um, it's going to be a limited edition, but this was kind of a neat thing. It's limited edition, but production will be driven by demand. And I, I put in the uh, notes that at least they're honest. You know, a lot of people, it's, it's limited and necessarily publish a a number or a time frame or anything like that, but it's clearly driven by how many they can sell it. That's that's the limitation. So, and that's kind of what they're saying here that uh, they haven't said we can only make X amount of cigars. It's going to be however many sell. They'll just keep making them until I guess they can't. But uh, retails for nine bucks a stick. Come in boxes of twenty, and you're going to have to get them out of Tennessee if you want them. Is is that shop just for men in Tennessee? I believe it's in Missouri, or at least the main one. Actually, that might be right. Missouri sounds more familiar. I think there's two or three of them, but Missouri, I think, is where I've gotten stuff from in the past. I knew uh, a guy that used to work there, actually. He oh, really? He created, created their uh, Tolkien-themed tobacco blends. Our small world. Yep. Hmm. Well... Yet another new cigar that uh, is able to be discussed is <clears throat> um, an event-only cigar from LFD, which is specifically for this weekend's Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest, which uh, 
Is it going on right now? I think it is. Friday was the first day. Uh, not sure what all is going on tonight. I know it's going full throttle tomorrow. There you go. Only 50 boxes have been prepared, but... Uh, 50 boxes is what they make for all their event-only sticks, I believe. Um, you know, and I'm not surprised by this, but no more blend details are available right away. I think there's going to be a bit of an unveiling uh, tomorrow. Saturday, so yeah. I'll be interested to hear that. I think that might be kind of fun. Yeah, uh, Kid Corona, uh, Ian Winchester, is uh, at the at the festival this week. So hopefully, maybe we can hear back a little bit from him. Yeah, I uh, I think we got a few people that we know that. Well, obviously we have a few people we know who are there, but uh, Ian, as well as I believe Craig Vanderslice. Uh, cigar yes. will also be there, or is already there. Uh, yeah, I guess he's already there, but uh, yeah, I knew he was planning on going. Craig was in town uh, in my neck of the woods last week, but unfortunately, I wasn't. So he and I have been, uh, we were laughing about the fact that we've been trying to get together and share a cigar for years now. And it just seems like whether it's uh, IPCPR or he comes into town and I'm gone or whatever it is, we just can never seem to really, really be able to connect. So hopefully maybe we can uh, meet somewhere in the middle and maybe he can just come on the show and talk a little bit about Rocky Mountain. And who knows, maybe we can get Ian to talk a little bit about that festival. Yeah. It's, uh, it's another big one, a lot like uh, the Chattanooga Tweetup. Quite yeah. a following. Uh, Ian is a budding cigar media person. <laughs> he has a new site. We mentioned several weeks ago, 406cigars.com, I believe. 406 being the Montana area code uh, where he's from. Maybe the the only one. I know that's a huge state, but there's just not a lot of people. It may be the only area code for that entire state. Well, we have this new amazing answer machine that we're both sitting in front of right now. We can probably find that out. The Google. (laughs) The Google. Yeah. Well, we're we're now on to a slightly less enjoyable news story, and uh, this is just one representation of what seemed to be quite a bit of uh, legislative news that's been discussed this past week. But closer to my neck of the woods yet again, the Chicago mayor is feeling a little bit of heat, uh, Rob Emanuel, to Ram Emanuel, Rob. Ram Emanuel, excuse me, is feeling some heat and being called upon to enact park smoking bans and increase the tax on all other tobacco products, OTPs, uh, to, and we quote, to level the playing field and quell demand for nicotine. (laughs) I didn't put the activists' names because, honestly, I didn't care and certainly wouldn't want to promote for them anyway. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're pushing for a ban in all your local parks and to increase the tax. And after having you buy those cigars for me and seeing the actual tax rate up there, I was blown away. And, and so I, I looked a little more at this, and the, the tax on cigarettes is $7.17 a pack. Tax. That's not the price. That's the tax. And they want to level that out for, for other tobacco products, cigars, pipe tobacco, and what have you. And man, I, golly, I, I can't even imagine being able to maintain any kind of cigar hobby in that kind of environment. Well, I know there's uh, 
Chicago's, believe it or not, despite this, um, known for having probably half a dozen really, really spectacular shops. Um, Yuan Reese, um, Jack Schwartz, Uptown Tobacco, Blue Havana. Um, I mean, there's just there's just a, a large number of them within Chicago proper that are pretty well-known shops. Um, and Blue Havana is uh, one you may remember from when we've had Skip Martin on. He talked about his uh, uh, Abaddon and Ouroboros, I believe, were his two um, shop-specific cigars that he did with uh, a Blue Havana. And I have just found out that they're actually closing down their shop and or moving. And so they've got 50% off some of their cigars this weekend. And I, actually, I don't even know if it's some of their cigars. It may be all of their cigars are 50% off. Well, kind of tying that all together, I noticed uh, that when I met up with uh, Chubno and Index at the tweet-up that the shop there had Romacraft 50% off. Really? Apparently, as fantastic a line of cigars as it is, they can't move them in that shop. And so they were, they were blowing them out. Wow, I'm really surprised by that. Yep. If I was the man I was a year ago, I'd have come home with a lot of boxes of cigars. <laughs> but I didn't. Instead, you only came home with two. No boxes. Two cigars. Good for you. Stick to that uh, that goal of yours. What's the goal? Oh, the goal of yours is getting the hay out of Dodge coming up uh, hopefully this winter. Yeah, looking like December still. That's the plan. Well, we can talk about that a little bit later on, certainly. Yeah, what else we got here? We you have tell me. Latilier's most recent addition to their uh, surrogates line, which includes the tramp stamp that I love and Craig hates. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this one, this new edition is the Satin Glove, and we talked about this maybe even a couple months ago now when uh, Pete Johnson posted up a, a, just a picture on his Instagram and Facebook page. Um, but it's now landing on shelves. It's one size, of course, as all the other named Vitolas are in the line. It's a 7x47 Churchill with a Mexican San Andres wrapper. Over Nicaraguan binder and filler, and MSRP is eight seventy five, um, which is not not really out of line for a Churchill. And, and I happen to just absolutely adore the Tramp Stamp. It's one of my very favorite cigars right now that, that are widely available anyway. Churchill's a little bigger than maybe I'm used to reaching for these days, but I'd probably give it a try just to just to see what it's all about, and especially knowing it has. That Mexican wrapper that everybody five years ago wanted to hide and not say they used, but now seems to be all the rage. I'm digging it. I'd, I'd, I'd give it a try. All right. I'm playing with our chat room who's discussing uh, canine identity theft, uh, <laughs> crazy self-promotion from evil people. For evil people, and uh, amongst other items being uh, chatted right now, it's it's kind of a fun little place. So I'm not paying attention to you. I apologize. That's okay. I now know how you feel. <laughs> Come on, canine identity theft. Have you ever heard anything so crazy? 
No, but I guess if you could get a credit card in his name, you might have some fun. At least for <laughs> a short period of time. Hey, uh, the Google tells me that 406 is indeed the only area code for the entire state of Montana. God bless the Google. Man, that's a lot of ground. I, I know it depends on the people and the number and phone numbers they need, but golly, that's a lot of ground to cover. What's what's Montana? 700,000 people? Uh, I do know. I no longer have a page open, and my mind is not the Google. The Google. Wow. Well, it's certainly not a lot of people, I'll tell you that much. No, I'd imagine there's far more cows than people up there. Well, La Serena's Oceana is uh, also shipping coming up here in a little bit. This is a cigar. Unlike La Tellier, it is not being made uh, by my my father. It is being made by Quesada. Uh, a, a manufacturer to be discussed in much more uh, detail later on in the show, but uh, it is uh, a Casada manufactured cigar with Dominican Republic bottle wrapper over Dominican Criollo binder and Dominican and Nicaraguan filler, five Vitolas. The Arctic, which is four and three quarters, uh, a, what looks to be a figure out of four and three quarters from 38. Up to 58, down to 44. The Southern, 5 by 43. The Indian, 5.5 by 50. So the Atlantic, 7 by 52. And the Pacific, 6 by 65. MSRPs, a little high. 8.5 to 11 bucks a stick. And the Arctic is limited to only 500 boxes of 20. And as you say here, it reminds you of the Punch Champion. And it certainly does seem to. Yeah, and you know it's hard to scale something by a picture, but it looks very much like that that shape. For those who are familiar with the Punch Champion, or maybe the Hemingway bestseller, it's probably about the bestseller too, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, not too far off, I guess. I don't think it quite makes it the fifty-eight. You might be right. And Maybe it tapers, it's the work of art that I'm thinking. Tapers down to a little nipple. Doesn't end at a blunt 44 ring. But I suppose that's nitpicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we got one more story to talk about. And uh, this is, seems to be a pattern. We have another departure from the uh, Christian Eroa CLE company brand. And this time, Robert Wright, uh, owner of Pura Soul, Pura Soul, is taking over his own sales. Uh, the, you know, this is just a few weeks since um, Grace Sotolongo took off, and she, of course, did not possess her own trademark for Echisera, so she's going to have to. Uh, I, I guess she's assuming she's going to keep the line. It's just going to be Sotolongo cigars and have some different. Uh, terminology and phrases and names used in it, but uh, Robert does own his trademark, and in fact, CLE will still manufacture the cigars for him at uh, Aladino, the factory in Honduras, and um, he's just really taking the sales away. It looks like most everything's staying with CLE, and I guess maybe kind of getting from beneath the CLE umbrella, getting a little more exposure for that specific line 
At least that's my guess. I, I don't know any further detail than what we just said. So, in the last year, has he also lost Robert Caldwell as well? Or was uh, that a little longer than a year? I would imagine right at a year, somewhere around that. So, in the last year, three relatively notable departures from that company have occurred. Is this is this uh, a, a showing of larger problems, or is this, um, you know, to use an analogy from college basketball or college football, is this just a coaching tree that we're seeing the, the, the roots just extend out as uh, people branch out onto their own, uh, onto their own? You know, are, are we saying Christian Arroyo is being kind of a, a a mentor for a lot of people that just do their own thing afterwards or kind of like an incubator sure yeah we could say an incubator that works I don't know the answer to that and the only reason I would be a little skeptical of that is uh, Puroso is not a largely or widely known brand I don't know that it's doing all that well that it's ready to step out and, and head into prime time well, there's been a lot of stories about the, the thing that Christian loves more than anything else is himself. So I, <laughs> I, 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 those are not my opinion. That's not my opinion. That's the opinion I've heard from other people, even people in the business. So um, I, I'd just be curious if, uh, you know, what direction this is coming from. Is this, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we can all make our own opinions up on this one. Yeah, it's probably best left that way anyway. Hmm. If if I like hop out of this chair and disappear for the rest of the night, there we've had coyotes in the neighborhood lately, <laughs> and I I keep hearing them yip here and there. <laughs> they so they're coming after you. If they're coming after you. You should. Uh... You should like throw your dog outside or something. I imagine it'd be <laughs> trouble if they tried to eat, eat you for dinner. Yeah, they 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 take a while anyway. But there's a bunch of them though, man. And and I've heard them in the past. Off in the to, to the left, to my left right now, is a large Boy Scout uh, reservation or whatever you call the thing. A large piece of tract of property, maybe a couple hundred acres of woods and fields. And we'll hear them off in the woods there on occasion, and you know, just a crazy ruckus of yipping and and you know, coyote sounds. I don't know what you call them. And then a few weeks ago, uh, about two or three o'clock in the morning, all heck broke loose in our yard right outside the bedroom window, and it was them just going, it's all kinds of craziness. And so I don't know how many how many are traveling together, but there's a number of them, and I've been hearing them tonight. So see what happens. Anytime I hear somebody say, yep, the only thing I can think of is Kramer on Seinfeld when he uh, sees Joe DiMaggio at Monk's, the restaurant where they always hung out at, and he's like, I'm convinced, it's got to be Joe D. And so Kramer's at the table and he just starts going, yep, yep, to see if he can distract DiMaggio from eating his donut. And he's like, it's him, he can't be distracted. See? So I just, I just think of that when I hear the yips, or yip. Yip. Uh, what an iconic show. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, tell me a little bit how that cigar's going. We're now 
an hour since lining it or so, and 30, 45 minutes into the show. But what's it doing for you? Well, it's it's um, kind of mellowed out a little bit on the citrus front. Um, not nearly as uh, as much of that kind of piercing, sweet, orange flavor that uh, that was alive in the first quarter inch, half inch or so. Um, what I will say is that that flavor I had described as kind of sweetened pencil shavings, the aroma of pencil shavings, but with a sweet flavor to it, um, that has really kind of taken center stage, and I dig it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really think that that's what it tastes like. It's not, that's never been a flavor that I've, you know, I've gone to the pencil sharpener just because I was hungry. You know, it's not like that's the case, but uh, it's reminiscent of that, and at least how, you know, and at least how it comes across. But it's much more appealing than I'm making it sound, and I really, really enjoy the flavor, and really, really enjoy the cigar. So it's uh, it's really, really good right now. Burning well, draw is perfect. Um, not really a ton of smoke off the uh, foot while I'm kind of letting it sit here. And that flavor is unique and mighty tasty, so I'm digging it. This is this is really really good. It's actually a surprise for me. I might uh, burn through these a little bit quicker now. Hmm. 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 Cool. I probably got ten left. I could spare one for you if you were nice. I'll be nice. Until <laughs> I'm not. I, I am uh, loading the pipe up here. Oh, giddy up. I am switching to a pipe, and this tobacco is crazy moist. And Well, it's like 4,000% humidity where you're at right now, isn't it? It feels like it, man. My glasses keep steaming up. I am smoking, or about to be smoking, the same blend I reviewed a couple weeks ago as the first pipe tobacco review on the Cigarmi. It oh. is Robusto from Greg Pease. I turned it the right way. Uh, which has uh, typical oriental uh, components, a little bit of Virginia, and then some cigar leaf. And it's incredibly difficult, from all appearances, to uh, get that to get it to jive, man. There's just not really a great cigar blend for a pipe out there. Um, there's been a lot of efforts and a lot of tries, but... I've always been of the belief that if you want a cigar, smoke a cigar. If you want a pipe, smoke a pipe. Um, but this one's not bad. It's it's, it's uh, one of the better ones, and maybe it's the one I can think of except for Billiard Room that I mentioned before. Um, Billiard Room's been gone for a decade now, so this may be the best one out there these days. Is Greg Peace still alive? Oh, yeah. Greg Peace, that's who blended this blend. Um... Do you have contact with him? Is he somebody we could get on the show? Sure. I mean, I don't know if he would come on the show, but I do. I have an email and a Twitter connection to him. I wonder uh, I wonder if that would be kind of a, a fun thing to do for next month's uh, cigar or pipe show that we're, that we're uh, planning. Yeah. Might not be a bad gig. Well, we can uh, we can toy with that later on, but I've heard Greg's name so often here over the last uh, 18 months or however long we've been doing this show. I 
I uh, I just think he'd be a wealth of knowledge that we'd have a fun time picking the brain about. And who knows? I mean, he's just somebody who seems like he knows tobacco. So regardless of cigar, pipe, whatever. He knows tobacco. He knows cigars. He knows pipe. He is a cigar blender. I mean, a pipe blender. But he smokes cigars as well. Is very knowledgeable about tobacco in general. Hmm. Man, oh, man. What I wouldn't give to just sit in a room with a guy like that and smoke and drink and laugh for a few hours. That'd be a blast. Mm. And if well, you ask, ask me who uh, I, m- my personal opinion, of course there's no way to quantify this, but I don't think there's any competition that he is the greatest living pipe tobacco blender today. Mm. That's uh, that's quite a statement. I mean, I'm sure there's not a million uh, pipe tobacco blenders around, but still, to to be able to just come out and definitively say that. Well, like I said, it's my opinion. No way to put that in the numbers, but I mean, just blend after blends winners. Not not every blend he puts out is a winner, or at least not a home run. I I say maybe every blend has been a winner. Um, for somebody, anyway, but um, he's just made some magnificent pipe tobaccos. Huh. And he's huh. not an—he's not an old guy. I mean, he's fairly young. You know, to me, he's probably old to you. Well, you're older than dirt to me, so I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'm gonna light this pipe now. I've got a charring light on it. What did you say? You have a charring light? Mm-hmm. Wow. Boy, there's there's even terminology I don't even know about. It's so cool. Well, charring, charring light's just what it sounds like. You get a char across the surface, top surface of tobacco. It'll very rarely, basically, almost never stay lit from that. Then once you've done that, you come back with another match or whatever and finish it up and get it actually lit. Hmm. Sometimes it takes a third. Well, it's a whole other world, my friend. Kind of like toasting a cigar. Well, that is true, except you can certainly light a cigar without toasting it first. Yeah, well, if you hold a torch on pipe tobacco, it'll light the first time, too. But I guess that's a reasonable point. You will burn the crap out of the rim of your bowl. Yeah, I guess that's a reasonable point as well. Don't ever use a torch on your pipe, folks. You know, I uh, I have been told on numerous occasions that, oh, the problem with using a torch on a pipe is that you just don't have a pipe torch. You need one that's got an angled head, so you don't have to go upside down. You can just kind of go on a slight angle. But I've always wondered about that. You're then putting 1,200 degrees right next to wood and expecting yeah. that wood to not dis- discolor, distaste, anything. I don't Catch think that's fire. a good idea. I have angled pipe lighters, but not torches. I would never put a torch on my pipe. Hmm. Well, we got some cigars we smoked this week. You want to uh, chat about that a little bit? You got a real special one that I'd love to hear about. Absolutely. Me or you? Well, maybe you don't even want to talk that much about it. It's uh, it's up on the Cigar Me, if I recall correctly. It is. And I actually, I think it's the highest scoring cigar so far under the new system. Ooh. 
And I had trouble assigning, you know, pointing out deductions to take off the thing. Oh. Wow. I mean, that is, that's a big wow. Well, since we've kind of spilled the beans here, I am speaking of um, a new extension to the uh, Añejo line from the Fuentes. And this extension is due out next month, uh, sometime mid to late September. And um, it's a, and kind of an oddball size. It's a, like a, golly, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a bellicoso, but much thinner. It's six and five eighths by forty-four. Comes to a uh, sharp point, but it is actually clipped. The very, very tip end is clipped off, and you can draw through it without cutting it at all. Really? Uh, but it's a it's a tight draw because it's only gosh maybe three thirty seconds opening on the back of it. So I clipped off to about a quarter inch, quarter inch, and that worked perfectly. Um, loved it. I absolutely loved it. And ended up, I think it's a contender for my favorite of the Añejos. Uh, I think it's a fantastic cigar. But I do have to put the disclaimer, as I did at the front end of the review. This is up at thecigarmy.com, everybody. Um, This is uh, a cigar that was given me at CFC this past February. So hopefully the blend didn't change. It's always susceptible to that when you get something off, you know, before before the release. So we'll see. I'll uh, try to grab one of them when they hit the market, but I know they're going to go really quickly, so I don't know that that'll happen. Oh, absolutely. It. Uh, I'd expect that to not even be available. Jeez, if you're not there when the box shows up, good luck. Yeah, that's how sharks are, and you know they'll hang around a little more in Tampa than most places, but. At Tampa Humidor, I've been there when they arrived before, and they don't even make it to the shelf and the website. They they <laughs> will out a cart with the the new arrivals for the day, and this looks like it's funny. That's called the shark because it looks like a <laughs> mess of sharks descending on meat. I like the shark a lot. I, I think it might be my favorite patola. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've I've really enjoyed the 47s. No, the 48s are their Churchill, and the 49s are their Double Corona. Um, I've really enjoyed the 48s. I never really was a 77 fan. That's the Torpedo. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. 77's a shark. What's the Torpedo, then? I don't remember, because all of them don't line up with the uh, ring. Some of them do, some don't. Um, and then the 46, I, I think the 46 is lacking something usually. I love the Vitola, but it's not, I've not had uh, a great history with that cigar being really, to me, what the rest of the Añejos, uh, the rest of the cigars with the Añejo blend. I have an amazing and, history with that cigar. You know, and we've talked about that. I think I've actually smoked that cigar on the show and had a very good experience with it and was so surprised by that fact, because of the lack that uh, the the lack of uh, positivity it usually leaves me with. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, I some people will attribute to pretty attribute pretty drastic changes to the Añejo, just like the Opus, with more time. 
despite being held at the factory for a year, most people like to hang on to them a while before they light them up. I do that just because I don't reach for them very often and do have the opportunity to put some away. Um, although i got to say right now, at this very moment, my Opus and, and Yeho selection is way small. I, I, I had an Opus kick this summer several times. I've, I've gotten an Opus groove and was digging them. It's kind of whittled away. Just, uh, I just read in the chat room that Oh, Cigar Man for Life says that he thinks the 2014s were the best year he's ever had. How many years have you had? Yeah, considering it's his only year, who knows what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what about you? You've got a couple from the same place. Yeah, I do. I, uh, I had given a little bit of an informal promise that I would, uh, I would get out and try the Quesada 40th again, but uh, in a different Batola than that Salomon press that I uh, so dreadfully hated uh, last month sometime probably, maybe six weeks ago. Um, I went out and found myself the next most appealing size, which is just roughly a Toro, 6x52-ish, and found this Quesada 40th to just be filled with special flavors. Uh, I, I, I've i written in here that I thought it, there was a minty flavor to it, which very much reminded me of the Drax, the, the Tatsuaihe Halloween release. Uh, the Drax, when they were young, they had like a minty flavor uh, as well. There's definitely a beautiful nuttiness, and almost like an effervescence, almost like it didn't feel as if there was... Um, uh, like carbonation on my tongue, but it left me with like a, if you were to think of like a fresca, you know, how there's just that clean, very crisp feeling to it and flavor to it. That's, it, I was reminded of that. And then there was some, some herbal notes too, which it was just all over the map. Really, really high quality tobacco. Had to be. Um, and really stinking complex. As I got a little bit further into this, I had two of them. I was just smoking my second one earlier uh, before the show. Um, midway through the first third, approaching the second third, both of them have had a little bit of cayenne pepper, um, which was kind of nice. I'm not normally a spicy guy in my cigars. It's one of the reasons that Opus and I don't get along so well, but um, this just worked. With so much of those softer flavors like the minty flavor, that effervescent, you know, I, I don't know, I'll just call it the effervescent type flavor and that herbal uh, or herbaceousness. That cayenne was just, it was the yin to the yang. It was perfect. Really, really a darn good stick. I, I've enjoyed the one and a half that I've had, and I might have that other half tomorrow because I didn't finish it today. Oh, I thought you were talking about the one you put down. I was like, you still got that thing laying around? Oh. Hmm. Well, it was uh, it was very surprising. I, I thought it would be good because the first, I don't know, inch, inch and a half of that Salomon press, the two Salomon presses that I had were both very enjoyable. Um, so I, I'm glad I found these Toros. They were worth the eight bucks or nine bucks, whatever they were. That's a good price on those. I thought they were more than that. Very tasty. No, these weren't that bad, actually. 
got them at Binnie's. It's a liquor store in the Chicago area hmm. that has a very good selection, actually. I was going to say, that's something rare to find cigars as a side item and find something like that in it. Well, they're not so much a cigar as a side item store. I mean, they are. They devote 10,000 feet to liquor and 200 to cigars, but their cigar, their humidor, they've got a full-time tobacconist on staff there always. Um, it's a really great place to go, at least at my binnies. It's a really great place to go for pairing um, assistance. I spent probably an hour in there a week, week, or, week and a half ago um, talking to them about rums, trying to think if I wanted to branch out and you know, to take on this last weekend when I went away, uh, to take a different rum than what I was accustomed to, or did I just want to stick with Zaya? Um, I mean, and I, yeah, I was able to sample rums. I was able to get intelligent uh, feedback on how it would pair with the types of cigars that I like, the type of setting I was going to be in. Really, I, I have a lot of good experiences at Benny's, and their prices are not bad at all. Humidor is well taken care of, not overly humidified, a good selection. There were already some show cigars that had showed up. It's a good place. Cool. Excellent. Well, that next one from you is uh, something that I'm interested in as well. Yeah, this was a first for me. This is from Ventura Cigar Company which I believe is a California-based company that owns a distributorship or maybe the other way around. They're tied somehow to Phillips & King, which is a cigar distributor or tobacco distributor of all kinds. It's the, uh, if you can see this, this is the Psycho 7. And what you're looking at there that looks like a prescription pad paper is actually wrapped diagonally around the cigar. So it's kind of like that when it's on the, on the cigar. And it uh, touts a six-country blend. I see, uh, and I don't remember the specific details, but looks like the Dominican Republic, Mexico, Nicaragua, Peru, Honduras, and the United States are all represented in, in this cigar. And so I, somebody gave me one, and I smoked it this week, and it was okay. But I, and I think maybe it's it's a uh, uh, the result of having all of those different tobaccos in a single cigar, but it was a little bit muddled. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the all those different types of tobacco were kind of competing in there, and so you maybe lose sight of some specific flavors that maybe you could pick up if it weren't quite that diverse. It'd be worth trying again for me, just uh, maybe kind of hone in on it and pay really close attention, but it's not something that's going to turn your world on its head if you're not really paying attention to it. Hmm. That sounds like a cigar that would absolutely benefit from aging. Maybe so. This one aged all of about three weeks. <laughs> I, uh, I'm guessing that's not long enough. Yeah, that'd be my guess too. Anytime a cigar tends to fight f with itself, it needs a little bit of time. Yeah. To me, at least. But on top of that, anytime that uh, uh, a cigar is kind of fighting with itself and it tends to seem like there's more to give, it just 
isn't able to reveal it, then it's something that you can set down for years, if not decades. So yeah. when you get those two together, which I'd be very interested if this cigar kind of had that 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 lead-in, like it was just teasing you of what else was there, I'd be very, very interested to see how it would uh, perform in five years. Mm. Let me give you a little so tip. You, uh, sure, go right go, ahead. Go ahead, I'm jumping tracks. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, what was your verdict on that one? Would you spend your own money on it? I would spend my own money to buy one or two more to try. I would certainly not go drop cash for a box right now. What was the overall strength? Oh, medium at most. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it was not full body. Hmm. Interesting. I wouldn't have expected that. I, I would have thought that it would have been a little, not overpowering, but a little uh, in your face. Oh, no. Not at all. Huh. Well, you were going to jump track here. What, uh, what were you going to say? Oh, tamp in a pipe. Don't take your tamp and get in there and smush it all down. When you're tamping a pipe, all you're really doing is just kind of knocking the ash down. So really, the weight of the tamper is about all you got to put in there. Otherwise, as you push it tighter and tighter and smoke it, it's going to eventually get to be a really tight draw. I've heard people say that you don't even really want to tamp straight down, that it's and almost helpful to tamp on like a 30-degree angle. Exactly, if you can keep it kind of the, the ember kind of a, a dome rather than a flat surface. Yeah. Huh. Maybe I do know one thing about uh, pipe smoking. Who'd have thunk it? Hmm. Well, let me get back to the notes here. I have one more to discuss. Yeah, I'm interested in this one. I keep seeing this name flip around, and I haven't seen them in the store yet. I, uh, I'm lucky to have my hands on this next cigar. I, I've smoked a lot of rare cigars in my life. Um, had a lot of great friends who have opened up some opportunities and some doors for me. And I clearly have another very good friend in Kevin Edmiston in uh, Midlothian, Virginia, Winston's Humidor. Um, we've talked about that shop and uh, Kevin and Roseanne Edmiston uh, over the year, year, year and a half year we've been doing the show. Really good people. Kevin dropped me a line to say that uh, their shop was one of the chosen, I think, five shops in the country wow. uh, that uh, were able to get a box of these Quesada Ninfas. That'd be uh, the reason I haven't seen them on the shelf. That would be the reason you haven't seen them. There has been five boxes of 50 produced, and uh, I, I bought some of them. So... Kevin, uh, you know, it wasn't free. I did pay for them, free and clear. Um, but for a cigar with that few produced, and I, I, I guess the production, um, or I, I guess that it's only five shops. I know that it's kind of like an invitation-only thing. But if it's not five, then it's something like seven. It's, it's, not, it's not a large number of stores. And Kevin got one cabinet of these. And uh, so I bought, uh, I think I bought a dozen of them. Um, 
and oh, it was great. I realized that I had a, a PayPal balance that I, that somebody had paid me for something over the years, and so I didn't even really have to pay any money for these ninfas. I just transferred some money over. It was spectacular. It is spectacular. So, yeah, so I uh, I lit my first one of these up and enjoyed about two plus hours of uh, Quesada España Ninfa Heaven. Uh, boy, it was just everything that the, the España, the Quesada Españas are, this Ninfa was concentrated. Uh, it had that, that kind of black peppery oomph. It had that beautiful um, molasses, brown sugar sweetness. It had a, a gorgeous kind of grassy yet nutty undertone to the profile that went through there. Um, a great bean type flavor like vanilla or cocoa. Um, really, really spectacular cigars. Uh, they're not traditional ninfas. I think a traditional ninfa is a 26 ring gauge. This is not that thin. This is a 33, but it's small enough, no doubt. Um, but it, it behaved beautifully. Uh, construction was perfect. You can see I'm holding one right now in front of me. They're uh, certainly tiny cigars. They're probably the size of my... Jeez, it even looks thinner than my pinky finger. Um, but, man, spectacular. We are... The next time we exchange cigars, this is going to be one of our cigars of the week. I have a... Woohoo! Yeah, you're, you're going to get to try some. Seven inches by 33, I believe. Um, I have a, a very, very uh, serious relationship with the Casada Espanas, uh, and I'm trying to procure every one of those Batolas. So I dig it. I really, really like these. So if you're somebody out there with Espana Lanceros, let me know. I'll trade you some Espana Nymphas because I want to get my hands on some of those. Cool. Mm-mm. It just, it was really a great cigar. I was blown away by how concentrated the flavors were. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted by the chat room. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love those guys. Sorry, folks, we'll get back to a real show here. What, what do we got left here tonight? A couple of rants and ravings and whatnot, if... Miscellaneous, miscellaneous, miscellaneous stuff. I, uh, miscellaneous, I think it's right. Yeah, I know what it's how it's spelled. Just don't really know how you correctly pronounce it. Anyway, I uh, finally got around to it, and we may have talked about this on the show. I know we talked about it offline, and I'm just going to let the pipe go out. But uh, I, a couple months ago, I guess I bought, ran in, I, I saw. A local shop that posted on their Facebook wall they got this particular cigar in. It was something new I'd not had from a completely new manufacturer I'd never even heard of. So I thought, cool, I'll run down and grab a couple. So I did. I didn't really have time to dilly-dally around. I ran in, grabbed the cigars out of a box, paid for them, went home, tossed them. Didn't really look at them again took for another week. And looked at them and sent Craig a picture of the first one I took out, and it had this lumpy, bumpy, rumpled wrapper on it. And his guess was it had been exposed to a large amount of moisture at some point. And I said, mm, that makes sense, because I saw 
a large amount of boxes of cigars with uh, mold spots growing on them. And so subsequently, since then, I've gone back, looked through, and, and this shop has probably 2,000 or more facings. It is a very large humidor. Not shop's not that big, but the humidor is uh, full bar, the whole spiel. Uh, and I uh, went through there, and just a huge percentage of the those boxes in that shop are, are growing mold on them. Not just climbing over the walls of the box, but spots of clearly white fuzzy mold. I uh, talked to the guy running the shop that day and said, hey, you guys might want to check your hygrometer or something. There's not one showing visibly in the humidor. I couldn't see what it was, but it clearly was damp. And it wasn't restricted to uh, just where the humidification enters the humidor. It was pretty much across the board, man. I was like, you guys have tens of thousands of dollars and maybe $150,000 worth of cigars sitting in there, uh, retail price, maybe even close to that wholesale, I don't know, a bunch of cigars at risk here, and you could you could fix the problem in you know, 30 seconds. You go back and turn it down and kind of draw some of that out. And all, I was just greeted with a, a blank stare, <laughs> and, and I, I think he just said, okay, and that was it. And, that, man, it, it just kind of put me over the edge. So I posted up a little minor rant about it this week. And, and you know, it just, to me, it was all the more reason we need something like Tobacconist University that we talked about before where you even said there should be a differentiation between a cigar store and a tobacconist. And, and the, the more shops I'm in, the more I agree because so many shops have gotten in the habit of hiring local college students or whoever and just turn them over constantly. And, and and I realize it's tough to run a cigar shop today with all the threats and all, and you got to save money. But, man, you've got to at least have somebody that knows what they're doing a little bit or a little bit about cigars. <laughs> not, tell your, not tell your customers that Mr. Drew Estate is coming to rip his cigars, the, the Tatawahe cigar. I don't know. It was just burned my butt this week, and I just was a little irritated that I had pulled out the last of those cigars, and they were all the same way. Uh, no mold on the ones I bought, but all just basically ruined and unreviewable, and I was agitated that I had dropped cash on six cigars that were you know, likely very tainted from what they should have been, and I was not going to review one that clearly goofed up from the, the store and so I scrubbed a review and instead wrote this little rant so you can check out the whole story over there if you're interested <laughs> I have uh, I have had my fair share of walking into cigar stores that are uh, abusing the idea of humidifying yeah. and uh, boy it's just frustrating isn't it it is and, and when you you know I guess it irritates me more that for however many years I would love to have had a cigar shop and I would have at least think I would have been pretty dedicated to it and not let that kind of craziness go on. I mean, that's, that's their livelihood. That, <laughs> that is their income, their livelihood. What puts food on the table and a roof over their kid's head and they're just letting it fall to pieces. Man. Uh so frustrating. 
It oh. is. Hey. It's just bankruptcy. <laughs> uh, well, you have a you have a rant, so I get a rant. Okay. Can I can I complain about the ALS challenge that's taking over Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and annoying the bejesus out of me, or will that make me a bad person? Well, it could go either way. All right. I don't have a single problem with with peer pressure to do what is ultimately a good thing, to ultimately try to help others. I don't think there's a single thing wrong with that. In fact, I think it's probably beneficial for our society. Alright, that's out of the way. You want to know what I can't stand? People who make it about them. Who forget the fact that that this is ultimately about raising awareness and raising funds to help people in need. And instead, videotape themselves, videotape, record themselves for 90 <laughs> seconds, 60 seconds, whatever it is, looking cool and suave and wearing a t-shirt to represent their personal brand or doing something that represents their personal style and how cool they are that they get soaked by ice water, yet they still are true to themselves or are true to their culture or whatever. Bite me. If I see one other cigar personality who looks like a stud, gets water poured over them, and then takes a puff of their cigar right afterwards, like 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 their poop don't stink, I'm I'm gonna troll them on Twitter, I swear to you. <laughs> I I am going to become a member of their chat room wherever it is and go Mike Stewart on their Heidi. Like, I just, I, I I don't get it. I don't get how all of a sudden this morphed into a popularity contest. And it annoys the crap out of me. I mean, it does. There's there's so many people who are really well-known in the cigar industry who I completely am bummed out by how they've, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it really bothers me. And it bothers me so much that I haven't even... Uh, recorded a video or done the uh, the ice bucket dump on my head thing. I know what charity I'm going to donate to. I'm not even going to donate to ALS Awareness. I'm going to donate to an organization that I'm familiar with, that I trust, that I know is also worthy. Um, and I'm going to do it because I was spurred to take a step out because of this challenge. The I had the epiphany of, hey, you know what? I can't remember the last time that I donated to them. They they could use this. That's a good idea. I'm going to do that. And so that's what's important to me on my own. I'm not even going to say the organization. It doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's about you within yourself doing something that's right for others. Man, I, uh, I'm i just so frustrated with some of these people going, some of these videos going around. Yep. I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know. I, I mean, and it's not that... It's great that ALS is, you know, last I heard on Wednesday or something, the ALS Foundation or ALS Association, whatever it is, um, had something like 1,200% thus far this year, the donations that they had last year. That's amazing. That's spectacular. It's probably even higher than that now. But it, it, I'm just... 
I'm feeling ruined by the people who are not making it about that. So, am I have I crossed over into uh, curmudgeon zone or have I crossed over into a hole zone? I'm not quite sure. Curmudgeonly, but I like it. I can do it with curmudgeonly. Apparently, I'm on a direct course for curmudgeonness myself. Oh, you got the market cornered, brother. I have learned it from the best. <laughs> Not that grumpy much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I have to go apologize to uh, the Mike in the chat room. He needs to know that I'm only kidding around and busting out his balls. <laughs> well, I got one more little snippet here of things going on out and about and around and I'm actually kind of excited that in a couple of weeks I will get to meet yet another of our uh, cohorts in the world of Half-Ashed. Um, hey, hey. Adam, Adam Quinn, which uh, who lives a couple hours south of me, is going to make a drive up, and I think we're going to catch up in Tampa in a couple of weeks. That'll be nice. And there was somebody in the chat room called Cigar City earlier that said that they were in Brandon, and I don't see them in there anymore, but they'd be welcome to join us, I think. Is that uh, near to where you will be going? Oh, yeah, very very near. Closer than either of us, probably. Oh, well, there you go. That's very cool. I, I there's, just, there's just nothing like sitting down and herping with Brothers of the Leaf, is there? I know. I mean, I was... Totally re-energized. None of what I said about Andex or Chubno was was wrong after meeting them a couple weeks ago. I mean, it, it was just uh, it's like recharging the batteries. Just to hang out with a couple of good guys that you know you don't know face to face until then. It, it, it's a cool thing. I love it. I can dig it. I dig it. Yes, sir. Well, we got one listener email we can throw in here for Officer Paul, who was in the chat room. I think he probably still is. Uh, He says, I use a five-cubic-foot refrigerator for my humidor. Would you recommend beads or an oasis? Do you have an opinion on this? Because I do. I do. Well, why don't you go right ahead? It'll give me the opportunity to do a little math. Well, the answer to that Paul anyway is yes I I would recommend one or the other Um, I happen to know that you live in what I think is a pretty dry environment so you're not likely to have to fight with over humidification the way we do here in Florida where I can open my humidor and the humidity skyrocket at times Um, so either would work The, the beads of course will work both ways they will absorb or release water uh, assuming you don't overfill them the way many many people do Um, and the oasis will only release moisture of course it's not going to absorb any it will have a hygrometer and if your uh, uh, humidity drops below wherever you have it set at any given time it triggers that and and fires up and releases some humidity turns a little fan on um, I had one for many years, loved it. The thing worked like a charm, and I guess about nine years, and it died this past year. Um, I've used beads about the same amount of time, and they're still trucking. 
I have heartfelt beads personally. I know Cigarmony and a couple other folks out there sell them as well. Um, I think you can even get them on Amazon now. Um, the difference there is uh, five cubic feet is going to take about a pound of beads. I would split those into half pound containers or even quarter pounds if you've got four spots you want to stick them. Uh, you're going to have to refill those a little more frequently, I guess, because you're going to release a lot of humidity in that big container every time you open it. Um, but you get out for about 40 bucks. Uh, the uh, Oasis Plus, which is the one that's going to be what you need, it's five to ten cubic feet, what it's rated for, is about 110 bucks. Uh, so, I guess really it's up to you. I think either can can work. Uh, personally, today. I use nothing but beads. I got beads and everything, and that's where I've been. And I had converted to beads long before the Oasis died. I just didn't replace it when it did. Hmm. I I had a I was pretty convinced that I had one solid answer here, um, but then you brought up again the fact that I. Uh, uh, I I didn't quite remember that Paul was in a dry environment. So my original thought was go with beads. I have a nine cubic foot um, cabinet, and I keep that solely packed with beads. Um, I don't even know if I'd say packed with beads. I, I probably have, I don't know, three pounds of beads in there, maybe four pounds, something like that. Um, that's not too much. but um, You cannot have too much beads. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, I mean, literally, they, they won't over-humidify. I think that a really, really smart move is to have whatever your humidor is more than half-filled. Yes. So tobacco is hydroscopic. It will act as a humidifier, or it will absorb. Tobacco will absorb humidity as well. It's very similar, I would imagine, in a basic form to what the beads or kitty litter does. Um, so if you have more cigars in there, it's a more stable environment, one that isn't going to experience the peaks and valleys. So I would say and be comfortable with beads, though knowing that my brother-in-law, who uh, lived in Colorado, was an extremely dry client, in winter, beads, no matter what he did, could not keep up because it would just take the moisture out too rapidly. He didn't have a humidor that, that sealed very, very well. So, knowing that, maybe hypothesizing a bit, if you keep a relatively fill, filled humidor, have beads in to stabilize, and then maybe be willing to have some active humidity in there to more recharge the beads, let's say, to, to perhaps extend the length of time between when you need to fill those beads, um, that might be a that might be a viable solution. I've never tested that, but I would happen to say that in his environment, that probably would yield the best result. I could live with that. I don't know. I uh... go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say I could not agree more about keeping your humidor half full. And if your wife is around, tell her it needs to be three-quarters full, but at least half. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've seen and been a part of battling humidors that were not that full, and it's just a losing battle. There's so much unoccupied space 
and when you flip that lid open, it just sucks all that humidity out, and that's a lot more water that whatever you're using has to re, you know, resupply to the, the humidor once you close it. Paul is uh, Paul saying he's going to get his wife to listen to the show. See, honey, they said I need to keep it full. It's true, man. There's there's a hundred references out there that'll tell you the same thing. Oh, I'm sure there's more than that, even. I mean, it's just the basics of tobacco. Tobacco will absorb and release. That's what it does. More than anything, it absorbs. It's not like it's a an active humidification system, but yeah. Well, now that we wrap that up, tell us again uh, some final comments on your cigar. Mm. Oh my goodness, I can't believe we're already done with the show, an hour and a half already. Um, It's more of the same, I'm in the the final third now, I've probably got two and a quarter, two and a half inches left. Um, The second third and final third have been relatively consistent thus far. I really find this stick to be uh, much more about that kind of oddball sweet flavor that's there rather than the the kind of opening citrusy uh, flavor that I had discussed. There might be a little bit of leather that's cropped in here towards the end. Um, There definitely is a little bit of a leathery flavor that's cropped in here. Um, The sweetness is almost graham-like, graham cracker-like now. I I really dig that flavor, and so maybe it's almost a a power of personal suggestion. I'm searching for what the sweetness is. It's not bready. um, It's not woody, but it's it's something like that, of character to that. And uh, maybe like a graham cracker is a good mix or a good uh, compromise. It's just such a good flavor. Really, really dig it. I love the stick. I mean, you can tell the burn's pretty darn good. The ash seems to be pretty good. Only minor flakiness. The draw is perfect. I did not take much off of that. Maybe maybe only an eighth of an inch, if you can see. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, really a, a fine example of a high-quality cigar. Really, really yummy. Excellent. So how's, uh, how's that Robusto blend? Did you ever light it back up? Uh, yeah, it's, it never fully went out, but it's kind of tuckered. It's not making much smoke right now. Uh, it actually has a little more... Um, this is going to sound ridiculous. has a little more ashiness at following a cigar. I guess I've never done that, just going straight from a cigar to this. And I still, even though I think it's a great blend... It's a good use of cigar leaf in a pipe tobacco blend, which, again, is very rare to make that happen. Um, It's not going to duplicate or replicate smoking a cigar. It's not the same flavors. It's not the same burn. It's not the same anything. It just uses cigar leaf and gives a little bit, just an occasional wisp of cigardom in there. Um, But it's not, uh, again, for those who are not, familiar with this. I don't smoke aromatic pipe tobaccos. I just don't care for them for the same reasons I don't smoke uh, flavored cigars. And there's nothing wrong with them. It's just not my cup of tea. So you're not, it's not, it it has those very uh, 
typical uh, lighter English kind of flavors. If you're familiar with English pipe tobaccos, it's not a Latakia bomb. It's not going to smack you in the side of the head with such a bold flavor. It does have a, a foundation or a framework of Virginia tobaccos. Um, so it keeps it kind of sweet. And that maybe following it after a cigar is not the best idea because it did lean, lend a little bit of that ashiness to it. Um, but even with that ashy, and, it, and it's small. I mentioned it, but it's small, and it's creeping in. But there's there's that really good creamy sweetness there that, that I'm digging. Mm. That sounds really appealing. As you just finished talking about that saying, there's that creamy sweetness. Boy, that just capped it off. I like yeah. it. I mean, it's not on my top five or top ten list of pipe tobaccos ever. Uh, but I would not hesitate to pick up ten when I come across them at some point. I don't so have to, because I have What does a ten of that cost? Uh, eight to ten bucks for two ounces. Jeez. Two ounces is about 30 bowls, so 30 good solid hours of smoking. Bowl, it's an hour to an hour and a half. It so is, how, can, how can pipe tobacco be so inexpensive? Well, it, it combusts at a much slower rate in a bowl. So, oh, I guess that's true. Uh, so that makes a smaller amount of tobacco last much longer. And uh, I, I don't know much more than that. Uh, taxes are different, uh, although most places pipe tobacco is taxed more than cigars. Um, outside of that, man, I can't tell you. I mean, it is far more economical. If you find a pipe tobacco you like, and you can get 15 bowls out of an ounce, I mean, 15 cigars worth in, t- in terms of time for 10 bucks will get you a premium pipe tobacco. Ten bucks will get you thirty bowls. Of course, that's an estimate. Bowl size varies pretty widely. Hmm. Most bowls are two, two and a half ounces, two and a half ounces, two and a half grams, twenty-eight grams in an ounce. Really, two and a half grams. Yeah, two and a half grams is a big bowl. Some of the smaller group one, group two bowls, you may not get a gram and a half in. And that'll get you, a, I mean, even the fastest smokers in an hour. And for me, in an hour and a half, up to two hours for some tobaccos in a bowl. It's pretty crazy. I, I, I don't know. We Let's get into this in the, the pipe show. I, I've just got so many thoughts on why it's different, how it could be different, how it's the same, how we would get different enjoyment out of it, even if you're not a pipe guy uh, there's lots to talk about I, I'm yeah. just so jazzed just kind of spitballing here I think uh, one more little comment I think a big part of that price difference is the amount of labor involved and you still have all of the growing, the harvest the curing, and the fermentation all that's the same but you don't have people handling it touching it, moving it uh, you know selecting it and grading it it's and rolling it into cigars you don't have all those people you know after it's completed through its fermentation and everything it's it's it may be graded if there's some really stemmy kind of stuff they'll pull out or whatever but it's 
mostly just shredded and used as a component in some land. Hmm. Right. So I guess that would limit things, but I gotta imagine there still certainly is some processing that you have to you have to do by hand. I mean, there's gotta be. Oh yeah, you, there's the blending. That's one thing. I mean, somebody's got to buy the components and mix the batches in a blend. Uh, Greg Pease's tobaccos are actually, he creates the blends, but for production, it's actually blended at Cornell and Deal in North Carolina, which is a family-run operation. See, now I want to talk about how many hands touch it. Let's, we'll put it off, because this could go on for a while, and then we won't have anything to talk about. October 24th. October 24th. Which I believe I have not told you yet, but uh, October 10th, I believe, I will be in Colorado. I will be actually probably in midair at that time, flying to Colorado to spend uh, my annual fly fishing trip, going to another river out west. So, ooh, excellent! Yeah, it'll be a good time. Bob and I were just talking about uh, getting a fishing trip going. That would be an absolute gas. If we got a cigar-related fishing trip, I would freaking adore doing that. Yeah. You know what else? This tin right here costs basically nothing in comparison to a cedar box that's been manufactured by hand. Really? Yeah. These tins are stamped out of a press (laughs) a mile a minute. I would just think, you know... Mahogany or cedar grown in Honduras somewhere has got, you know, a percentage of a penny in terms of uh, material costs, and you're just paying for somebody to manufacture it. No, 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 no. Wood's not that cheap. Hmm. I wouldn't have expected that. I guess I've never asked anyone what their boxes cost to manufacture, but. I don't know. Interesting question. Yes. Well, it, it appears to be just about that time. We've talked about our cigars that we've been smoking. We've gone through our notes. What do you say we start the uh, the closing procedure here? Absolutely. Uh, folks, we absolutely, again, I've said that twice in three seconds. We certainly appreciate you tuning in, whether you're here live with us in the chat room or uh, through download throughout the week. And uh, I believe I'm now caught up. We should not be behind in any more episodes going forward. Um, But uh, we thank you for tuning in. And uh, you can join us again next week at halfash.com for uh, the live video stream. The chat room will be going, of course, as always. And uh, our Cigar of the Week next week will be the Hoya de Nicaragua Dark Carojo El Martillo, uh, which is uh, a favorite of mine. I've actually taken a, a cue from Bob McDuffie and love to have the, excuse me have those with a cup of coffee in the morning. Uh, it's another one of those cigars that many people are hit hard by the nicotine, but like the Tramp Stamp, it doesn't really seem to uh, impact me much at all. But uh, in the meantime, if you got comments, concerns, questions, criticisms, whatever you got, throw it at us. You can get us at Craig at TheCigarMe.com or Kip at TheCigarMe.com. And if you have unbanded submissions, you can uh, send uh, either of us an email at those two addresses, and we'll connect you with an address to mail them to. 
And if you have just a suggestion that you would like us to uh, have sourced, you can email that to info at thecigarmy.com, which will go to my wife, and neither of us will see it or be any the wiser. And uh, she will take care of sourcing the cigars and pulling the bands off and, and getting us taken care of there. And, of course, you can find us, uh, Craig and I, at uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, in the forum at halfash.com, which we hadn't talked about the past couple of weeks, but it is slowly growing and getting a bit more activity, so I'm happy to see that. It's, uh, it's a fantastic place to get to know your fellow brethren of the leaf a little better and hang out and make suggestions or your criticisms of the show or, or learn something or teach the rest of us something uh, so uh, there's a heck of a conversation going on right now about uh, how nicotine impacts people. It's it's bordering on a geeky conversation, but for anyone who's ever felt the effects of nicotine, it might be just so slightly uh, uh, educational and how to prevent it. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that just about wraps this joker up. Well, as always, I want to jump in here at the end and and say how much I've enjoyed getting back to the regular, uh, our regularly scheduled programming. It, it's you know I, I had a blast recording the show with Bob, just talking to an old buddy of mine and uh, having fun, laughing, smoking, drinking, um, just catching up. But I'm so happy that that we do this show together. That half ashed is. Kip Fisher and Craig Schneider, and that uh, tonight on August 22nd we can get back to doing it after three weeks. It's been a blast. I uh, I needed it. It's been uh, uh, not a bad week, but a tough week. A lot going on. I was rejuvenated from a weekend away, and uh, then back to the real world was a little bit more difficult than I thought it would be. <laughs> so tonight has been uh, that thing I've been looking for and something that I am Certainly thankful that we've had, so thank you, my man. And also want to say uh, thank you to everybody who tunes in on a weekly basis, uh, who catches us just randomly, or who's just interested in what we do. We really do appreciate it. I have a blast with it. You have a blast with it, and we hope you do as well. So from all of us here at Half Ash, we want to say good night, everybody, and thanks for listening.